And yes, it actually is Don Dubuque this time. Happy Easter weekend. Glad to be back behind the microphone this morning. Not sounding 100%, but uh, certainly much better than it has been in the last several weeks. Well, I want to express my thanks to all of those of you who uh, offered some encouragement and prayers. And uh, I do want to say that, uh, in the words of a famous man, the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a situation... Uh, without getting too technical, there's an issue with vocal cord muscles. Uh, I'm seeing a, a very good doctor who's got a good plan, and if his plan don't work, I have a witch doctor, a shaman, you know, a yoga expert. We're going to get this thing back in shape sooner or later, hopefully much sooner. But I did bring in some reinforcements this morning. Uh, young Drew Dubuque, my grandnephew's here. You're going to hear from him a little bit later on. And also Keith Lusher, who's been filling in as a guest host, along with Martha Spencer and also uh, Joel Masson, doing a great job, and I thank them very much. And thanks for coming in, Keith. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Don. Good to see you back in the driver's seat, and happy Easter weekend to you. Yes, sir. A lot of things going on besides crawfish balls. What are we talking about this morning? Oh, well, throughout the show, you know how it goes, Don. We've taken you all through South Louisiana, uh, get you some reports from the reporters. You know, Shell Beach, Grand Isle, Plaquemines Parish. What else we got? Uh, Lake Bourne. Uh, we got the kayak report from Brendan Bayard. Um, and, look, you, let's get to the weather here, Don, so, so we can help these guys that are heading out on the water right now. Uh, looks like it's going to be a little breezy. Uh, if you're looking offshore, winds uh, 15 to 20 knots, seas through 3 to 5 feet offshore. Uh, take a look at Lake Bourne winds. They're going to be out of the east, 10 to 15 knots, and you're looking at 2 to, two, two to 4 foot seas. Uh, barometric pressure is going to be 30.41 and rising. Ooh, ooh, that's high. Yeah. Sunrise is at 6.48 and sunset is at 7.20. Boy, that, that time change sure does help, huh? Get, get up a little bit later and you can stay out on the water a little bit longer. So, you know, Don, we're dealing with typical springtime weather here. Just just watching those fronts, watching the winds. Uh, but w- with with the cool fronts comes the you know you could fish throughout the day. It's just it's just gorgeous out there. Um, you know those blue bu- bluebird skies. We got to watch that. But uh, looks like things are settling out this week. We have no fronts uh, coming up. So. Looks pretty good. But this hour, we'll be checking in with Robbie Campo of Campos Marina to get a report on uh, the Shell Beach area. And uh, also going to talk with Jeff Brule, the uh, North Shore Fishing Wizard. Well, well, I don't want to mess up his stage name. What's, what's his uh, stage name? It's the Big Boss Big Boss, big boss bass, bass, man. Well, he's not the Big Boss Bass. But he's the big going boss after bass, him. That's exactly yeah. right. I think turkey are, are harder to get than the Big Boss oh, Bass. absolutely. <laughs> and this is opening weekend in Louisiana for turkey hunters. and some beautiful turkey hunting weather, by the way. Yeah, those turkeys seem to know when opening weekend is, though. Absolutely. From my experience. <laughs> also going to check in with Daryl Carpenter of Real Screamers to find out what's going on uh, down in Grand Isle. Boy, Don, it looks like everybody's strategically positioned here. Is this, is this, you just brought that about, or it looks like you had a few years to set this up? Yeah, it's been, <laughs> been a long time in the making. Well, we've got a couple of issues to talk about, too. You know, how do you feel about your Louisiana hunting and fishing license being raised? And where have all the flounder gone? All of a sudden, no flounder. And I don't think it's been so all of a sudden as a lot of people think. It's been going on for a while. Yeah, I got some thoughts on that, and I actually put in some homework on my website to look at the flounder numbers, the, the, each report that I had that had flounder in it. And you could definitely see a downswing, but I see an upswing recently. Well, the big question is, we got a problem. What do we do about it? 
Also got Bad Boys coming back. Got a good one for you. I know a lot of you missed the Bad Boys story, so we're going to get that up in the second hour. And don't forget about your text messages, 504-260-1870. Your questions, your comments, uh, what's on your mind, and your fishing reports and hunting reports to share with our listeners. It got Bayou Wild, too. Don't forget Bayou Wild. We've got a good, good episode this week. We'll be right back. It's Don Dubuque, Keith Lusher. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. Welcome back into the show. We're going to kick things off this morning with a report from the Shell Beach area. Robbie Campo of Campos Marinas joins us this morning. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning. Good morning. I hear Don on the radio, so it sounds like things are getting a little bit better. Oh, yeah, I'm here, Robbie. How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, I've been doing kind of the same thing you're doing, Don, chasing turkeys around. Uh, I was a little bit successful, and uh, I, I got you know got to kill the Osceola, something I've been wanting to do forever over in uh, Ocala, Florida. So me and my wife, we we took a ride down there, and we both we doubled up that morning, kind of textbook thing, and we both got one. Uh, I think I sent you the picture of it. It was it was a it was a great hunt. I've been hunting some easterns over here in Mississippi, but boy, that's been tough. Those birds are hard to kill. But uh, moving on to a fishing report, uh, Don. You know, uh, this week here, <clears throat> uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was pretty good. Uh, even on you know on the Delacro side on. On the Bluffy Marsh side, uh, there was some fish caught on both sides of the, um, or, you know, or the Mister Go here. Um, you know, Thursday was a kind of a wash. There was, you know, it was thirty mile an hour wind plus. Um, we didn't have a whole bunch of people fished on Thursday, but yesterday, even though the winds were howling like they were yesterday morning, I had two captains that just teamed up in the boat and went and took a ride yesterday. Uh, with another gentleman, and they caught 75 trout over on the Delaco side. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, Captain Don Malley and Captain Kevin Wartburg did really well yesterday, put some really nice fish in the boat. Uh, he sent me a picture of it. I could not believe it when I saw what, you know, the fish laid on the table. But, hey, you know, it, it happens. And somebody's going to get them. Even in the dirty water, he said it was, it was on, man. Um, they were fishing the... He told me he was fishing a, um, um, a salt and pepper matrix shad with a sharp truth tail. And I saw the, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what he calls it. But I was looking at it on the, on the uh, end of the line, and, man, it was just, you know, the, the bait was just tore all up. Um, but anything that looks like a glass minnow or a goby minnow at this time of the year is typically – a great bait. If you had to have something that looks like that, because um, <clears throat> that's what the speckled trout are feeding on at this time of the year. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we generally don't have live shrimp in this in the in the marshes this this time of the year. So they're feeding on what's there. So anything that looks like a glass minnow or or or, or, some, or some kind of goby minnow looking baits, um, and usually what's because the gobies have some kind of you know, they, they, if you ever see a goby, they got they got a, a, a kind of blue-looking tail. So anything that's got a sharp truth tail on it, uh, you know, try it. You may have to go through five or six different, seven, ten different baits to get the right bait. But I can tell you that this time, typically this time of the year, that's what these trout are biting on. So um, 
We do not have live shrimp yet. We're hoping that they show up soon. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's been it's been a struggle with these things. They they you know, and if we keep getting these fronts down, that's just going to prolong things where we don't have them in the inside marshes to catch them. Uh, you know, last year we had them. This year here, it's a whole different thing. They may not show up until May. I, I'm not really sure, but nobody wants them better than we do. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we need them. Everybody needs them. Uh, you know, my phone's steadily ringing. You know, if we have live shrimp, no, we don't. Um, and and there's just very few places that do have some. Uh, so make some phone calls. Um, you know, and I heard that Eddie Pinto's had some on Paris Road and and maybe Jack over at Sweetwater. But other than that, I don't know if you're going to find any live shrimp in this area. So with that said, but we do have. We do have uh, dead shrimp here, so if you're coming down this morning, it's not blowing too bad. It's, it's a little cold. It's 40 some more, de- 46 degrees down here. It's a little bit chilly, uh, but it's calm. Um, I think today, if you wanted to go do the red, I mean, the redfish and sheephead thing at the Long Rock, that's doable. Uh, caught some white trout by the dam here, so we we had a lot of good reports this week, Don. So if anybody's coming down. Hook the left at the bridge and come on down and see us, and we'll, we'll be waiting on you. Robbie, before you go, getting back to the Osceola turkey in Florida, I've never hunted those, and I'd like to maybe get with you next year and make that trip because that's one of my bucket list items. But are they as difficult as the Eastern, or are they more like the Rio? Because the Rio's dumb as a rock compared to the Eastern. How do those Osceolas fit in? Well, you know, um, uh Typically, uh, uh, Osceola does not gobble as much as a as a Eastern or a Rio. Uh, but <laughs> the morning the morning that we were there, uh, I tell you, Don, uh, man, this bird must have hammered seventy five times on a tree before he came down. And at one time, a crow landed in a tree, and I, knew, I heard a double in a tree, so I knew we had two gobblers in a tree. But they do gobble; they do gobble pretty good. Um, uh, you know, but the guys that tell me, you know, he said, you know, the guides that I, we, that we hunted with say typically they don't, after about 10 days of being hunted, they don't gobble much anymore. They just kind of go on radio silence. They just shut down. But, um, I guess they get educated to the calls or whatever, but, you know, uh, Don, it, it, you know, the opening, the first 10 days of the opening of that season, is is man it's it's dynamite man you i I tell you i got i got this set up so you know we'll talk about this later but i got this set up to do this uh to do this uh osceola hunt so but man i tell you that that ocala florida is some beautiful property and and uh, don you you just love it i swear you you just fall in love with the place it's it accommodations everything is just it's it's beautiful you're gonna fall in love with i promise you I hear you hunting with sunglasses and, and cutoffs in Florida. Is that right? Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll leave that on and bring my regular stuff. <laughs> yeah, the mosquitoes right, are pretty Rob. bad. <laughs> okay, buddy, thanks All for right, that good guys. report. We appreciate it. All right, baby, talk to you next week. All right, bye-bye. All right, we'll do All it. All right, Robbie. And don't forget to text your comments and questions to us. Uh, you can text 504-260-1870, and we'll be checking the board and reading your comments and reports as they come in this morning. 
All right, coming up, we're going to check in with North Shore fishing guru Jeff Brule and see if any of those sockeye and white perch have made their way back out into the deeper water. Also, uh, he's got any uh, bass tournaments. I know Jeff talks about bass tournaments here on North Shore and, and around the state. Uh, so stick around. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. Jeff Brule's Fishing Report is a service of Berkeley, a division of Pure Fishing. You know him for the Berkeley line of gulp bait for bass, sockeye, inshore, offshore, and saltwater. Lines for fishing, whether you use braid, use mono, use fluoro, uh, thousands of fishing accessories from catfish flippers to hand weight scales, uh, fillet knives, anything fishing, Berkeley's got it. Jeff Brule joins us this morning. Good morning, Jeff. Morning. How's everything? Everything is going good, and everything looks like it's going good uh, with you as far as with Don is showing me on his phone with these sockeye, huh? Oh, yeah. I took my cousin Tommy Brule down last week, and we had a decent trip. We, uh, I'm still catching a few perch on the river. We had 12 keepers, but we had plenty of action. You know, a lot of those smaller males move in, and you can find some bedding areas pretty quick with a cork and a jig. And it's just fun to, to go catch them. But uh, I still believe the spawn's going on on the North Shore. Probably have another few weeks of it, especially with this little cooler weather dropping the temperature down. But we just put our corks about two foot, uh, targeted cypress trees, lay downs, and just kind of move down the bank. And you sometimes you'd get one here, one there, and all of a sudden you'd hit, hit a stretch of bank where you'd catch four or five. And out of those, you might have two, three keepers, about half the fish for keepers. But Tight line, if you want to catch some bigger females, go to that four to six depth in some of these uh, canals and oxbows on the North Shore and just drag just a single jig without a cork a little deeper. And sometimes you'll catch those bigger fish doing that. And as usual, I'll just tip my jigs with crappie nibbles. And that's really important under a cork because a lot of the bites, like you might turn to say something to your buddy or look up down the bank and then look back and as your cart was sitting still you look back and your cart's gone so they they don't want a real aggressive uh jerk on the car just a lot of times just sitting still is when they're going to take it jeff uh chickapin or lake runners are uh, you seeing many of those they should be moving into shallows huh yeah i'm just starting now to uh catch a few brim nothing big yet but uh, the, the brim and i hadn't caught a chickapin but i have caught a few goggle eyes on the North Shore, but yeah, they just starting to get mixed into the catch. Uh, like before, about a month ago, I didn't catch hardly any, uh, but now you, you cart, they'll take your nibble off your cart every once in a while. They, they love to steal that thing off of it. But overall, they uh, starting to catch, you know, maybe four or five, six a trip now, which it is increasing. And I figure as this month goes on, you'll start seeing more and more of them. Yeah. Jeff, uh, I want your comment on this year's spawn versus last year. Last year, we, we saw a very drawn-out spawn. Uh, did did this that hard Arctic front serve as kind of like a bookend to keep these these uh, sockele straight as far as not letting them get to the shallows? Uh, do you see a more distinct spawn season uh, this year on the Chifuncta? Uh, I, did, I went in January a few times, and I was catching them pretty deep off docks and things like that and you're not in the back end of the pocket or the shallow water and now i'm starting to do that so and it's usually i start doing that usually in february of a normal year so they are about i'd say three to four weeks different later this year uh but i think the the cold weather did slow them down and i think they're going to continue i think 
we had a big rush. It warmed up pretty quick right after that cold weather, and I, I, that's when I started catching the better fish. I had a trip where I had a lot of bigger fish, and that just tells me that there was a, you know, a pretty good spawn going on. But you, you're right. I think that we had a big wave come in, but now it's going to kind of trickle and continue till probably uh, the white perch are usually on the North Shore. I usually catch them all the way into, into April, and then – uh, after that, you have shad start spawning and everything kind of moves out to the main river and starts feeding on that spawn. They kind of pay back the shad and the brim for you know stealing their eggs this time of year. And, and then usually into April, May, you'll start catching bass on the main river using a shad pattern. Jeff, any bass tournaments going on? Uh, not that I know of. I've got a few. They're probably every weekend they got some. I don't have a lot of guys reporting that. It's you can always contact me through Don's page and send me the details, but uh, there's always tournaments going on, but just I don't have a lot of people sending them in to me. So um, I guess they can go to your uh, website and find some reports on the tournaments. Uh, there's always yeah. something going on, and a lot of guys still fishing. Yeah, NorthShoreFishingReport.com. You go to the uh, North Shore Bass Series page, and we keep track of all the tournaments. So Chris Basie, uh, Bass Assassins, had a tournament over on the Chifuncta. He says muddy, low water. Uh, their biggest bass was uh, their biggest stringer, five fish stringer, was eight pounds. So that's really low, especially for this time of year, Jeff. Yeah, it, it's conditions. You know, sometimes you get these fronts that push the water out and move the fish. You know, you catch them shallow one day, and then they there's just no water up there to, for them to be shallow, and it just puts them in a funk. You know, y'all were talking earlier about high pressure days like this. One big tip I can give guys is to downsize go to uh, like a finesse worm you know a little four and a half five inch worm light sinkers <clears throat> just fish really really slow when the pressure's high and uh you'll get some you'll get more bites doing that jeff you're a braid guy uh, tell us why you like fishing braid as opposed to monofilament or even the fluorocarbon which is getting more and more popular yeah i, I don't use braid a lot but uh, there's a few things i do like braid for uh all my frogs, whether it's like a Berkeley buzz frog or a soft body uh, paddle tail kind of frog on top, <clears throat> I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll use a uh, braid for the hook setting power. Now, if I'm flipping real heavy cover like a mat or bushes or things where I need to get the fish out quickly, I'll switch the braid. And another bait I've been throwing is these Berkeley Chapos, and they, uh, they're they great with braid, uh, mainly because you don't really – set the hook as soon as the uh, fish hits it. It's more of let them take it down and pull back until you feel the fish. And, and some guys do that on a buzz bait, but uh, I know the Chapos and these Whopper Flopper type lures are really great for braid. But other than that, I stick with either fluorocarbon or just regular mono. I find our water so muddy and dingy down here most of the time that the color doesn't really matter the line. But uh, the performance is better with braid, and you can feel better. But I just feel that – um. I, I get more fish on mono and fluorocarbon than I do with braid using other techniques. All right, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Anything else you'd like to add? No, no. The fishing's good. Get out there. This is the time of year to be out there. It's kind of like uh, the deer rut or the turkey season. It's This is prime time for, for fishing. You just have to kind of pick your days between these fronts and, and hunt you got to keep moving till you find them. Usually when you do, you're going to catch a nice mess of freshwater fish. Yep, yep. Everything coming to life. All right, Jeff, good hearing from you. Happy right. Easter, Jeff. All right, thank you. Y'all, too. Thank Don't you. Fit.
Don't forget to wear that kill switch. We're going to talk more about that coming up. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Great hearing from Jeff right there. Uh, North uh, North Shore fisherman right there uh, knows the North Shore like the back of his hand. Uh, we got plenty more reports to go this morning. We'd like to hear your reports, too, uh, 504-260-1870, and we'll get to those comments and read them. Coming up uh, after the break, we got a new law to tell you about. It goes into effect. Affects every person that operates a boat under 26 feet. So stick around and we'll tell you all about it. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And welcome back into the show, The Outdoors with Don Dubuque program. I'm Keith Lusher alongside Don Dubuque. And we've got a new law that went into effect uh, this week under new federal law effective April 1st. So this was Thursday. This went into effect. Those operating boats less than 26 feet in length are required to use their engine cutoff switches. Uh, this means wearing that lanyard, uh, other, other known as an ECOS link, while at the wheel. So we call them kill switches down here. It's that simple cord that connects uh, to your belt, usually, or, or your belt loop. And when, when enough tension is applied, it disengages and, and the motor is automatically shut down. So this prevents any runaways where the boat is still in throttle, but the driver isn't in the boat. So this law applies when the primary operator is not in the cabin and when the boat is operating or on plane or above displacement speed. Uh, situations in which an ECOS link would not be required include docking, launching, loading the boat on the trailer, and trolling, and uh, also operating in no-wake zones. Uh, and, and just to gauge this new law for uh, Louisiana against the rest of the country, 44 other states have the same kind of regulations for uh, personal watercraft. So basically, how I read this is wherever you, you know, whenever you put your life jacket on, make it a habit to put that kill switch cord, and you should be okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break to let our local stations identify themselves on the outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. Uh, we'd love to get text messages from our listeners, 504-260-1870. Uh, got a lot of welcome backs. I really appreciate all those. We're also hearing from Ed Miller in Wilmer, Alabama. He's on the way to the hunting land to see if he can bag a turkey. Uh, Justin in our Gentilly Wildlife Refuge Happy Easter. He's watching Bayou Wild TV with Courtney Hammonds, who is Miss Louisiana. We took her crawfishing, and that's the subject of this week's Bayou Wild TV episode. Uh, Justin says she's a wonderful representative of Louisiana and an outstanding piano player. i got to agree with you there, Justin. Uh, we also have the good to have you back from the Irish Coonass. Uh, happy Easter to everyone. Uh, we also have the backstrap stacker. Checking in from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, he's glad to hear me back. Little backstrap stacker, the little guy, is at the Venice Marina with Pop-Pop trying to get some speckled trout. Good luck to his little buddy, and happy Easter. All right, we come back from this next break. We're going to talk about a couple of issues that popped up recently. One, uh, the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries determined there is a flounder shortage. What do we do about it? They've also determined they don't have enough of your money. Are you willing to go up on your hunting and fishing license? We'll discuss that and get your take on it. You can text us, 504-260-1870. Also coming up, stick around. Bring your radio on the boat or to the turkey blind. Drew Dubuque 
is going to join us after the top of the hour. It's all right here on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. And welcome into the show. Keith Lusher sitting alongside Don Dubuque. All right, let's get to this flounder story. Uh, Not a story, actually a study. The Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries uh, has weighed in on the decreasing flounder population. Uh, saying it's overfishing, well, asking, is it overfishing, environmental changes, or maybe the lagging effects from uh, the oil spill? So uh, I'd like to talk about that, Don, if you you want to talk about that. We can also get some comments from from listeners. But uh, I tell you what, I've done a little research on my my website, and I've looked through uh, my reports, and I can tell you that the the flounder reports have definitely gone down since uh, creating the website in 2013. 12 i've had 42 reports in 2012 and it's gone to 40 to 36 to 18 to 8 in 2016 now i am showing more reports 10 14 18 and 23 coming back up so and i know you know you, you get a feel for flounder flounder is not something people specifically target or the most the majority don't target but you do see them in the in the ice boxes in the pictures you know they are something that that we cherish uh, you know i remember fishing as a kid bringing back a flounder and slicing it up putting the oven with some butter and some lemon it's and it's better than the speckled trout and redfish we call you know the uh the, one of the interesting fingers they're pointing at the flounder problem is that too many male flounders and not enough females because a lot of people probably don't realize that a flounder's sex is determined by the temperature. So they're blaming climate change, warmer temperatures on more males, less spawning females. I don't know if I buy into that, but I will tell you this as far as where do we go from here. I think you have to manage flounder the opposite of the way you manage redfish. Redfish, we protect the spawning females by limiting them to catch over 27 inches. Flounders are different. If you catch a flounder over 14 inches, 90% of the time it's going to be a female. The males are smaller. So what you do is you put a maximum size of 14 inch with one over 14 inch to keep. That way you're putting in a methodology that will protect the females, which are the spawners. And in any game or fish management, that's the goal. Yeah, well... If anything, I hope a knee-jerk reaction isn't made to this because I, I still, I really think it has something to do with that oil spill. Especially, I mean, it matches up with the crabs. We've seen a decrease in crabs. What's on the bottom? Flounder and crabs. Could be. Well, hopefully they can get it turned around because that is a very important fish. Uh, I had one of my listeners comment that uh, it's Popeye's fault. They got the new flounder sandwich, and as soon as they did that, there was a shortage of flounders. I said, I'm not sure that's flounder to begin with. I don't think that's southern flounder. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's taking its toll. Well, let's talk about licenses, hunting and fishing licenses. This was attempted, what, a couple of years ago, and Mm -hmm. you and I talked about it on Hunt Fish Talk, and, boy, the public was all against it. They called the legislators, and they, they, they basically trashed it. Wildlife and Fisheries says they're going to come back. They need more money to operate. And everybody wants more research, better management. Are you willing to pay for it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on how much they're going up. And I think last, what they tried to do a few years ago was just too much, just too much restructuring. We don't like change down here in South Louisiana, Don. So maybe a simple editing of a dollar or two would, would have taken care of it. So I don't know the specifics of what they're going for here, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, I've always been of the opinion the solution to a good natural resource management agency 
It's good funding, which should come from the general fund. You know, our Department of Wildlife and Fisheries gets very little from taxpaying citizens. So the, the, the brunt of the burden is on the fishermen and the hunters. And you would think, well, they're the ones that benefit from it. They should pay for it. But guess what? If Tourism. you eat seafood, you drink clean water, you observe wildlife, you photograph it, you're a non-consumptive user, you owe something back, too. Yeah. And until we get that done... I just don't think you can keep going back to the sportsman again. Mm-hmm. The other part of that is sportsmen will, in my opinion, over the years, they'll put their money up where their mouth is, mm-hmm. but they want something in return. They want you to set a goal. And right now we're getting ready to get into a flounder crisis. We've got a duck crisis that's been here for several years. We've got a wild turkey crisis. Any other crises you think? Well, We've got a lot of work that needs to be done with wildlife and fisheries issues. Seems like there's a crisis every time I turn on the news. So, uh. <laughs> Well, you know, CCA was very instrumental in getting a law passed on going up on a fee. But the way they did it was, was very uh, practical. They put a sunset clause. And if things didn't happen by the time that sunset came around, guess what? The fee reverted back. So maybe if they come in and say, look, here's our goals, you give us this money, the license will be in effect for three years, four years, five years. If we don't produce, you get your money back. We want to refund it. Sounds simple enough, Don, but don't, do you remember they put money in what's called a lockbox or something and that actually got raided? It was for the, was it the Limitry Project or something in the lake or... What was that? That was the telemetry? The oh, Rigs to Reef, reef money, reef. yeah. Uh, that was Bobby Jindal. Mm-hmm. And of course, Edwin Edwards was famous for putting his hands in wildlife from fishery resource money and spending it on, on other things. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty common practice in Louisiana. Yeah. Well, it, it, seems like, uh, it, it seems like overall this state just is so spoiled with what we have here that we, you know, we just, they just roll over. Tourism, you know, the money that, that, fishing and hunting brings in it just i wish they can actually measure it and just put well, it right in front of it they and, know what and, it's worth you know and it's not worth what it once was um the other thing and i'm not nostradamus but 20 years ago over 20 years ago when i bought my lifetime license i made the prediction that this was going to come back to bite us on the butt because i knew they weren't going to take all that advance money put it in an escrow fund and keep building on it they burn through it. So now you got all these people, a lot of kids that are cheap when babies are born. You buy them a lifetime hunting and fishing license. Guess what? They don't buy them anymore. So that money's not coming in. But those users have to be continue to be served and species managed. And the other part of that is when you buy your hunting and fishing license, each state gets money from the federal fund, the Wallet Bro and the Dingle Johnson, mm-hmm. matching federal funds based on guess what? Your license sales. If you got everybody with no license, free license for this, free for that, lifetime license, you don't get that federal money either. Yeah, lifetime license, uh, I think it's the way to go, especially with all this, uh, you know. For the consumer. Right. Not that. so much for the state. <laughs> well, we're the consumer, Don, so we're going we're gonna to take the side of the guys out on the water and in the woods. All right, we're going to take a short break here, but when we come back, we're going to check in with Daryl Carpenter of Real Screamers. Uh, check in on that Grand Isle Leeville area when we come back. See if Daryl has any info for us this morning to help you catch more fish if you're heading down there. Uh, I'm Keith Flusher. He's Don Dubuque, and you're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. All right, let's check in with uh, Daryl Carpenter now and get a report on that Grand Isle area. Good morning, Daryl. Morning, guys. I hope y'all all are doing well. 
We are doing just fine. Sitting right next to Don talking about hunting and fishing on a Saturday morning. Can't get any better than this, Daryl. What are you seeing down there? Well, the wind finally died down. Our, uh, uh, our resident hurricane went ahead and left. Um, it's been, what do we have, day and a half, two days this week mm-hmm. that it, it, it calmed down really, really, I mean, like slick calm, like top water action kind of calm, uh, a little bit of fog. It, those two days proved that the trout are still here. Um, really good trout action and some redfish action to go along with it. And when I say here, I mean right here at the island itself. However, that front and that big cool down came through. Of course, it muddied everything up. Uh, it it just really just looks nasty out there when you get you know right here close to Grand Isle. And what got me was, and I guess I didn't see it, was how high that high pressure was, and it sat down right on top of us. Um, you know, I'm I'm not always a technical fisherman, but I I do I do believe that once you get above that upper thirty twenty that thirty thirty area. It affects even the saltwater fish a whole lot, and that that pressure's up there, and it's going to stay up there all day today. So what I'm guessing is what we're going to do today is we're going to go up into the marsh. We're going to find some more protected areas that hopefully have got some cleaner water in them, and uh, we're going to have to fish slow. Uh, you're going to have to slow it down and and just just hope you know you find some fish over there that that have got don't have locked jaw that, you know, aren't shocked by these weather conditions here in the 1st of April. <clears throat> and uh, sooner or later, they've got a bite. So you just got to plug away at it and stay with it. Um, I know this being Easter weekend is typically the kickoff weekend for Grand Isle. It's when everybody starts coming back. Uh, there's been a whole, of course, with the conditions, there hasn't been a whole lot of boats on the water, but there's been a whole lot of people up and down the side of the road. Uh, and it's been that exact story for the folks up and down the side of the road. I've, I've heard that one fish here, one fish there, just the conditions are just haven't been conducive the last two or three days. The good thing is if you've got spring break week coming up, which you know a lot of them do, is it looks like the conditions all week long are going to steadily improve. Our water ought to clean up, and this week is when you're going to start hearing some of those jam-up stories about all those, those spawning speckled trout on the beaches. Darrell, what's the live shrimp uh, situation down there? I got plenty. Um, I'm hearing there's um, I'm hearing that there's almost nightly there's a catch. It just whether or not it's going to hold up to the amount of people that's here. Uh, we are just starting to see some of the little baby brown shrimp show up. Uh, you know, big enough to where they're showing up in the nets. Uh, still plenty. The, the shrimp I've got in my live tanks down there are more suited for balling and eating probably than bait. Uh, still a lot of white shrimp left. They're still full of eggs. So, uh, I mean, there's shrimp here. It just depends on, you know, the conditions and whether or not they can get out and catch them. Daryl, I don't know if you listened earlier, but the uh, Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries is uh, looking at the flounder numbers. Um any comment on the flounder situation? Uh, are you seeing that still decreasing or on the upswing? No, uh, down here we're still seeing a decrease. I mean, well, or should I say it's decreased to the level that it's decreased to the level that, like you said, you know, flounder, I was listening to you, Keith, the, the flounder is more of an incidental catch for folks down here. It's not like over in the Calcasieu area where you say, hey, I'm going flounder fishing today. But it's decreased to the level that if somebody shows up with a flounder in a wheelbarrow, everybody gathers around and says, oh, you caught a flounder. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's an oddity now. 
um, I, I do believe there's a problem. I'm kind of I, I kind of fall into your train of thought. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of the science that says it's water temperature, but I also believe BP had to do, had something to do with it. But uh, look, if if they're in that bad state, shut them down for two three years and open a hatchery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good thoughts. All right, Darrell, where can folks get in touch with you? Well, they can find me on Don's website at dontheoutdoorsguy.com, or they can find me at realscreamers.com, or just pick up the phone, 225-937-6288, and it sure is good to hear Don's voice this morning. Isn't it, though? <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Good to hear now. yours, and hey, don't forget to wear that kill switch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the first hour, but stick around. we got Mike Gallo, Brendan Bayard, and Ryan Lambert. Also going to hear a hunting report, turkey hunting with Drew Dubuque. So stick around for more outdoors with Don Dubuque. Hour number two. Boy, it's glad to be back behind the microphone. And thanks to all of you who are welcoming back in on our text board at 504-260-1870. Joining me now is a voice you may recall having heard on the show before. Young Drew Dubuque, my grandnephew, joins us, all of 10 years old, avid outdoorsman, uh, accompanied me yesterday on a opening day turkey hunt. We also participated in the youth hunt. Drew, it's good to get you back in here. Yeah. Hey, anything change? You get married lately, or are you still single? Yes, sir. You're still single, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah. What you been doing? Fishing? Hunting? Um, both? Both. A little bit both. Boy, I tell you, for a guy 10 years old, you have gotten around. Yes. You know, we were talking last night about the stuff you've done. I want you to let people know everything you've accomplished so far at the ripe old age of 10. Um, I've caught a lot of fish. Uh, what kind? Um, there's a lot of fish on this paper that I wrote down. <laughs> you had to write them down. <laughs> uh, do you want me to name them all? Yeah, go ahead. Knock them out. Um, bass, striped bass, perch, sockele, catfish, saltwater, Speckled trout, white trout, uh, redfish, croaker, black drum, drum, sheephead, mullet, tuna, red snapper, mangrove snapper, and amberjack. And a partridge in a pear tree. Well, I bet your dad's glad you bring him, go take him along with you to catch some of those fish, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. Well, we, we made a turkey hunt. In fact, uh, Rick and Shane, who we hunted with, youth hunt and opening day yesterday, they're listening because they don't have to do radio like us. They're out there getting ready to try to get the old king of the hill. Tell us how the hunts went. What about last week on the youth hunt? Last was weekend it? was a very exciting hunt. Well, two very exciting hunts. And in the morning we had eight birds jumping up, fighting each other in the morning. And then we had king of the hill. This bird just kept on gobbling all morning on top of the hill. He just stood there. We were calling at him. I, I was able to get him got to, to gobble, but he just stood there and didn't want to leave. That eight-bird fight was the first I've seen in 47 years of turkey hunting. That was incredible to watch those 20-pound birds look like a cockfight, roosters, you know, yeah. sparring each other, the noise they made. So where does turkey hunting rank in your list of favorites of all the stuff um, you've been doing? Uh. It changed because last year it was pretty low. This year it's second, third, fourth. It's moving on up, huh? Uh-huh. Good deal. Now, look, you mentioned you caught striped bass, and I'm looking at a picture on the wall here in the studio that you caught, and people may not know, you caught the number six all-time striped bass in Louisiana. Tell that story. 
for the whole story. Yeah, but just kind of, we only got so much right. time, so kind of go quick. Um, so I caught it off of our dock in Lake Catherine uh, by myself. My dad was upstairs sleeping, and um, I caught it on a live finger mullet, and uh, um, then we had to go weigh it. Uh, we went to one scale, and I broke the scale. It didn't, the scale <laughs> topped out at 25, and it was 30 some pounds. Then we had to go to another place, and we got it weighed there. Yeah, and, and ended up being number six all time. You know, it was unusual, too, and that may never happen around here again because I think that fish came in through the spillway with the spillway open. That's a freshwater species. You don't find those around Lake Catherine. There was only one other one that was caught that's hanging up in Gus's tackle right now. Mm-hmm. And was it pretty close to yours? Or? No, it was a lot Wasn't smaller. even close, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Drew. Well, look, thanks for being here. Well, you got anything to say to Rick and Shane? You know, they're out there hunting this morning. Good luck. Yeah, I hope they get the king of the hill. If they don't, maybe we'll get him, huh? Yes, sir. All right, well, thanks for being with us. If y'all want to text Drew a message, 504-260-1870, or maybe a question. A guy knows a lot of stuff, you know, and maybe he can tell you. We nicknamed him around here Drew the big guy debut. So if you got something to say, text it in. 504-260-1870. We come back after this. Keith Lusher rejoins me. We got a whole staff of fishing reporters coming up to let you know where to go and what to catch them on. It's what we do here on the outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And the Born on the Bayou Report with Mike Gallo is sponsored by CETO. For only $179 per year, your membership gets you unlimited fuel drops, 24-7 tow-ins, jump starts for electrical problems, whatever it takes to get you back safely. Tow is like AAA on the water. Peace of mind for you and your loved ones is just one call away to Chris at 504-301-4545 or click to CETO.com. Mike Gallo joins us this morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Keith. Don, it's good to hear your voice as well. Oh, good to hear yours, Michael. <laughs> Mike, what's going on down there? Well, like the rest of the reporters, early in the week, the fishing was pretty good, especially for late May, late March and early April. Been catching some nice speckled trout in Lake Pontchartrain, bouncing plastics on the bottom. The falling tide seems to have been better than the incoming tide has been falling in the morning then of course wednesday afternoon the front came through thursday was terrible winds nobody went out as far as i know Uh, friday i ended up canceling as well so today we will be back out there and um i would think that the north shore of lake pontchartrain beings our winds over the last couple of days have been strong and out of the north. The north side of the lake has the greatest chance of being clean water. So we'll probably head there first, bounce some plastics, and get an idea of what the water looks like, water temperature, uh, see if we see some bait. And if that bottoms out on us, we're going to head to the Biloxi Marsh. I have a a dad and son, young man's 10, and we're going to see if we can get him on a redfish in the Biloxi Marsh. Uh, I'm pretty sure there'll be some clean water over that way. It's just a matter of finding it. And uh, we'll do the old standby dead shrimp under a cork. So that's going to be our game plan today. 
unless the trout are jumping in the boat. And, of course, we'll just catch as many of those as we can. <laughs> a plan B. Dead shrimp under court. Can't beat that. Uh, Mike, the trestles, that's always a, a popular fishing destination for North Shore folks. Uh, have you fished the trestles this past week at all? I was there Wednesday. The tide was moving relatively slow. We did better on half-ounce jig heads. Uh, I was using a Matrix Glow. We also used a Matrix Green Hornet. And um, I was using fluorocarbon. Um, They just seemed to be scattered. We drifted quite a ways. Never did find any real concentration. We kind of picked away one here, one there, one here, one there. We they also caught a flounder. I heard y'all talking about flounder. Um, so it's been the standard, um, you know, Pontchartrain pop that you hear people talk about. I do. I did hear some other reports that seem to be pretty good. So it's just a matter of where you are and if you find them. And, of, of course, the, um, you know, your fishermen, if they're able to figure out that soft bite and be able to get a hook in those fish before you let it go. Yeah. Mike, uh, the bass have been very plentiful in that area. Uh, but, you know, typically saltwater fishermen kind of turn their noses up at bass. What are you seeing as far as guys keeping more bass? Is that becoming a uh, more acceptable bycatch down there? Well, I can tell you in my first 15 years of guiding, I probably caught 30 bass. And in the last five to eight, I can go catch 30 a day. So they have saved many trips where someone has driven quite a distance to get here and the forecast is not accurate. You're kind of forced fishing in the marsh. And the bass have saved many trips. I must not qualify as a saltwater fisherman because I don't turn my nose up at bass. (laughs) They're good. (laughs) Yeah, calling them bycatch. That's a little strong. (laughs) You're going to offend some people, Keith. Saltwater fishermen, uh, these are guys that speckle trout and redfish. You know when a guy's got their radar on it. It's just awesome. I got you, I got you. <laughs> Mike, what about the bait situation? Uh, you seeing any pogies out there? I saw some pogies in the canal behind my lodge uh, a couple of days ago before the water got dirty with all this wind, and I've seen them over the last couple of weeks, and that's a that's a, a prey fish that'll that'll grow relatively quick. So won't be long. Those will be really good size to where you can uh, catch them with a cast net and use them for bait. Uh, and, the, you know, trout and redfish love them. I don't know what doesn't eat them. Bass will eat them. You know, flounder will eat them. Everything will, will certainly eat the pogies. Hopefully we have shrimp in the area relatively soon. None of the local marinas have shrimp that I know of. We're fishing with dead bait this morning and plastic under a cork. Um, if we move to the marsh and try to find some uh, trout and redfish over that way. But we'll start out by the bridges and bounce plastics on the bottom. That's going to be our, our game plan, at least for the first hour. Yeah, sounds like a good game plan. And look, the, you know, the water temperatures aren't what we see in the summer, so you can get by with plastics easily right now. Um, you can hold off on a lot of shrimp. But, yeah, I guess a lot of people, you know, they want to make that trip count. You know, got work and, and Bring the kids out. You want to you want to catch fish. So live bait definitely does help. And coming up, uh, 
I know these, these like you said, the, the pogies are going to start grouping up, and that helps group up the, the fish, especially on the, the trestles. You seeing many guys trolling the trestles out there, Mike? I saw a few, maybe three, trolling. And, and normally, you know, we all watch each other while we're out there fishing. If you see a troller that keeps going over the same area, he's catching fish. We would see one, and he would be gone for an hour. Then we'd see him on the pass on the opposite side of the bridge, and we just wouldn't see him again. So I think the fish were scattered um, to the point where they weren't really working a specific area over. Now, the, the trollers also don't like moving away from the bridge to go around us jig fishermen. Um, so when there's a concentration of boats in a small area, and I say a small area, it could be a block with 10 boats within that block, plenty of distance between each boat, but not enough distance to get between and troll for the trollers. So they'll just try to go in other areas. But I didn't I didn't see too many of them, and I didn't see any of them catch anything either. Hmm. Yeah, and I think, boy, other than fishing, that's a sight you see at the trestles. Guys' heads on a swivel, looking around, looking around, because it's, it's, it's such condensed that's area that you can see when people catch fish. Sure, we all try to watch each other and see if you can tell if he's fishing a light-colored lure or a dark-colored lure or, you know, what have you. Sometimes the trollers do better than the jiggers, and sometimes the jiggers are doing better than the trollers. So it just depends on that particular day and then how you change your tactics to try to catch fish. Well, all right, Mike. Thanks for the info. Where can folks get some information about booking a trip? Oh, very simple. You can find me on DonTheOutdoorsGuide.com. My website is AAOfLA.com. We're on social media under Angling Adventures. Or the reliable telephone, which is 985-781-7811. All right, great talking with you, Mike. Thanks so much for helping us out this morning. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Don. Good to hear you, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right, Mike Gallo of Angling Adventures of Louisiana, AA of L.A. Look, we got a text in, uh, Keith. It says, hey, Drew, does Uncle Don make you show him your report card before he takes you hunting? That's from Pops from Blank. <laughs> Are you kidding? He's so smart. He'd say, let me see your uh, your report card. Now, with neither one of us. <laughs> that doesn't go. bring up we that subject. We don't bring up report cards <laughs> when we're hunting. What do you think? All right, we'll be back right after this. Paddler's Report is next. All right. Up next, Brendan Bayard joins us for the Paddler's Report. The Paddler's Report is a presentation of Massey's Outfitters, locations in Mid-City, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and Covington, offering the best kayak fishing models from brands like Hobie, Jackson Kayak, and Native Watercraft. Visit their website for products and those demo days at MasseyOutfitters.com or check them out on Facebook. Good morning, Brendan. Uh, The demo day is going on today. Is that right? Yeah, I think uh, I think they have some demo days over there uh, at Bayou St. John. So uh, call up Massey's and they'll tell you how to get out there and when they're going to be available. But perfect chance to get out there and try some of those uh, those new kayaks and and get on the water and uh, just see how easy it can be to uh, go kayak fishing. Well, Brendan, uh, what you what you up to today? You fishing with catch? Uh, no, I I, uh, I was bugging him because I knew I was going to come up to uh, Alexandria, but uh, 
my old uh, co-partner in this kayak fishing uh, report was Ketch uh, many years ago. He moved up here, and he's always posting these nice pictures of bass. And so I was I was headed up to Alexandria, and I was like, I got to get him to uh, give me some nice spots while I'm up here. So I'm up here for the next few days. So I think I'm going to go and, and run around and hit some of these uh, bank fishing spots that he has. And, they, they you know, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, that story about um, that, that 15-pound bass that was caught in Valentine Lake uh, maybe uh, seven years ago. But that's uh, that's a real small lake that's uh, you know walkable. So uh, there's some really good spots out here. I was gonna uh, check it out, and I got uh, my two boys with me, and they're eager to go. Well, all right, Brendan. Uh, as far as kayak fishing, what can you tell us? So we have um, Bayou Coast Paddle Palooza event coming up. The next time I'll be on the air with you guys in two weeks. That is our big slam tournament, uh, which is a, uh, a catch photo and release of a redfish trout and a flounder on a, uh, on a ruler. So you, uh, you compete in the tournament by length, and you can register for that tournament on the Tourney X app on your phone. Um, just for COVID reasons and what have you, we're uh, doing this tournament as a kind of like a online tournament for this last go-round. Hopefully we'll get back to normal after this but uh one more go round uh of this and uh but we'll still have uh some jambalaya and stuff like that for people who want to uh you know come together for the weigh-ins and stuff like that get goodie bags and and uh get get some good meals while they're at the tournament scene that's going to be down at bridgeside marina uh on the 17th so uh, we'll have some great stuff uh getting a little bit back to normal for the club uh Fishing's been great. Uh, I've been seeing some flounder come in, uh, which is uh, a promising, uh, you know, sign. Those are kind of the unicorn of the tournament. Uh, you know, anybody can usually catch a redfish and a trout. It's catching that flounder that really separates you when you're competing for that three-fish slam. Um, lots of uh, lots of wind this last week, so if you're going out today, you probably want to go stick somewhere. Uh, with some some grass, some uh, some thick marsh to kind of get out uh, of those those bigger areas that might have turned up. Stay away from some of those uh, those bigger bodies of water and uh, and kind of go. The red fishing's been great. Uh, get into some of those smaller pockets and uh, kind of use that area as a filter, if you will. Um, the bait fish, uh, you know, stack up on those windward banks right now. We've been we've been targeting a lot of uh, redfish. Uh, on the windward side of these uh, of these little bays and ponds, in the mid mid area estuary, if you consider, you know, the coast being the the lower estuary and and maybe uh, you know inland 20 miles being the upper estuary, uh, we've been fishing kind of the mid level, uh, not quite all the way down the Grand Island, but not quite all the way in the winter hangout kind of areas of uh, of our traditional uh, winter fishing, but uh, kind of that transition area. That's uh, been the hot spot lately, and, uh, you know, targeting uh, lots of redfish, doing well, uh, trout under a cork. Um, it's been pretty good. Um, one thing that a lot of people uh, might find useful this time of year is uh, with the shrimp availability, uh, and if you're able to go and, uh, you know, get out there early, you can use rabbit food and find yourself a nice little canal and throw some rabbit food in there. 
and it'll sink down to the bottom, and the shrimp will come and uh, congregate around it. And you can use that cast net and uh, catch you a few shrimp. I like to do that with the boys on uh, on days that I might think it's a slow day, especially on after you know three uh, three days of wind like today. So uh, I would get up there early, maybe you know an hour or two before I want to start fishing. Throw some rabbit food out there, uh, listen to you guys on the radio, and uh, cast in a few shrimp uh, as they find that rabbit. That food. must be that must be those white shrimp. You know, with the pink ears and the nose, Easter shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I was thinking maybe it's April Fool's Day, but it's not. No, April it's Fool's already Day. gone. No, that works. It'll work. <laughs> well, all right, Brendan. Yeah, we, where can folks get a hold of you? Oh, uh, I'm gonna be. Uh, you can check out um, my other reports on kayak fishing. You on Facebook, and then uh, just uh, I'll be back here in two weeks for the uh, live on the water report for uh, Paddlepalooza. But uh, other than that, you can check out the club at bckfc.org and uh or on facebook all right we'll be looking forward to it brendan all right thanks guys take care all right all right brendan bayard right there filling us in on the kayak scene okay coming up we're going to get to some more text and we've got some news on elmer's island uh wildlife refuge and also cat island refuge. Well, guess what's next we got a bad boy. Bad boy. Yeah, back by popular bad. demand. Yeah. They love it. They love when somebody else gets it. We'll tell you the bad boy or the stupidity report. That could be either one. We'll be right back. Don Dubuque, Keith Lusher, where you listen to the outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. Well, if you happen to hear that little interruption last segment, that was a couple of Canada geese that have taken up residence here, Bonnie and Clyde. They uh, they really like that whole corn, and I think they're ready for some. Hey, if you enjoy watching our presentations of Bayou Wild TV, uh, you don't want to miss this week's episode. We have got Miss Louisiana, Courtney Hammond, delightful lady, and a travel companion, Janelle, uh, came with her. And we went down to Crawfish Haven and took her crawfishing for the first time in her life. I had a Cajun band, the Envies. And uh, it's worth watching. And you can check it out at BayouWildTV.com and find a local listing near you. And, of course, you can always watch it on YouTube. All right, coming back right after this quick station identification pause, it's bad boys of the outdoors time. Right after we let our local stations tell you who they are and where they are along the outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Captain Jeff Boyd and Senior Agent Gerald Sander made a dove baiting case on opening day of 2019. They found hunters in a field near Convent in St. James Parish. They discovered the field had been baited by Wyatt J. Hemel, who admitted his illegal deed of placing bait to attract doves and for aiding and abetting others to illegally take migratory game birds, for which the Honorable Judge Karen Wells Roby handed down a sentence of a $1,500 fine, no hunting privileges for two years, and two years of no entry to any national wildlife refuge. For Wyatt J. Hemel of Paulina, Louisiana, our bad boy of the outdoors. So what do you think? Too much for the crime? Too little? Or just right? Texas, 504 504- Two six zero one eight seventy. Also asking your comments on the flounder situation. Are you seeing less flounder in your catch? 
Do you have a suggestion on how to turn that around? And also hunting and license fees. Are you willing to dig a little deeper into your wallet, or have they got enough of your money already? We'd love to hear from you. And we're back with Captain Ryan Lambert right after this time out. And he is the Plastic Man, Ryan Lambert of Cajun Fishing Adventures. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning, guys? I am doing fine. Don, you doing okay? Yeah, a little chilly up here on the North Shore. What's going on down there? Oh, uh, it's chilly, buddy. It's chilly. It's uh, at least it's not blowing thirty like it did the last two days. <laughs> the boys went. The boys had to fish in that too, boy. They. They caught fish, but boy, I tell you what, they work for them. Whew. It makes it tough when it's blowing like that and high barometric pressure and a whole nine yards. It was tough as it gets. So, Ryan, what, what are you seeing as far as this cold front? How did it affect things? Well, uh, on the east side of the river, it pushed the water really, really high. Because, um, you know, anytime it blows out the north like that, the first day, I mean, the water comes up, I mean, extremely high. So, it, you know, when it does that, the fish, you have to get further and further back into things to, to make it happen. So, it was difficult, but, you know, my boys, they they got out there. People wanted to fish, you know. I've never seen it like it is right now. I mean, people were ready to get out and go fishing. Uh, we were catching trout before, but, you know, you're not going to get out there and you know, where I tried all, you're not going to catch them. So, you know, they had to go for reds. And, I mean, they caught nice reds, too. I mean, Todd did, you know, what I say is pretty good. I mean, you come in with 14 reds when the wind's blowing 30. High back pressure. I mean, that's that's really stroking. But they're out there again today, and it's calm today. So, it ought to be good. Me, I've been cutting grass and cleaning pools and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good time to, to get that knocked out. Uh, Mississippi River levels, Ryan, uh, what are you seeing and uh, what's your forecast coming up? Well, it's at 15 feet, so it's in the parking lots on all the launches. And um, it's uh, they say it's going to go to 12-7 by the end of the month, but, you know, as long as we get these fronts going across the Mississippi Valley, I don't see hope for that. You know, I think that, you know, they'll, they'll redo that. And we'll end up. You know, way you know, two foot under flood stage right now, and that's the way it's been for nine years. So, you know, it's we just have to push a little, little further for the trout. You know, the trout's going to come through, coming out their winter habitat right now. So there'll be some really good ones always passing through in April, and and we'll take advantage of that. Um, they're catching further toward the west, towards Grand Isle already. So we're going to have to slide that way a little bit, and we're going to have to slide a little bit north. But uh, you know, it just it just kind of pushes them out the way a little bit, and we can get to them. I mean, this month I like to go to Venice and catch. You know, they got a run of really big trout come through, so I'll be. You know, that's the only time I go down to Venice is this time of year. So I'll be going down to try to hit those big trout, and then uh, after that we'll be on the islands and the rigs and going after them that way. So it's just a, a seasonal progression, and you know if you. Everybody's afraid of that river, but you can't be. I mean, it's just part of it. So it's building land and doing its thing. And without that, we wouldn't have all the stuff we have. So, you know, you just have to live with it. Oh, yeah, you're right about that with that river building, especially that area. Uh, Ryan, Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries shows flounders numbers decreasing 
any comments on the flounder, what you're seeing down there in the past few years as opposed to what you're seeing now? Well, ever since the oil spill, it's been really, really bad on flounders. But the scientific data that I got coming at me is the fact that they're being born as males, or overpopulation of males. And alligators will do the same thing. Depending on the temperature of the water in which they're, they're hatched, they could either be females or males. And they said it's getting more and more males, which are the smaller founders. And, in, and because there's no females, they're not reproducing as much, and then the species is going down. So that's the scientific data. But, you know, it all started with the oil spills. So, the, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, we used to go out there before the oil spill. We could catch a limit of flowers. Some days, in you know, in the summer months, we get on a point and catch ten a person. Shoot, we don't catch ten a year right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flounder, flounder needs some attention. Either we're gonna have to hatch some females with some cold water and, and try to get it going back. The part that that I don't get is this: if you look at uh, like Phil Bussard in, in uh, Lake Charles, they catching the heck out of flounder still. I mean, they're really doing well. Then you come towards us, the river's 41 degrees, 45 degrees. It's high all the time. Well, how is our water warm? I mean, the river's cold. I mean, you pass through it, it's cold, and it's pumping all this cold water into our marshes and all, but yet they say our water's warming up. I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah, well, there's always kind of a false push. False push to push it on global warming, but I don't buy that. I, I, my science says the flounder, it, it seems to reflect the crabbing, and flounders are on the bottom, crabs are on the bottom, and that dispersant yeah. that they sprayed goes to the bottom too. So that's my thoughts as far as, you know, the flounder. It seems like it matches the crabbing, and the crabbing's definitely coming back. And it well, looks I, like my thing know, is- the flounders come back a little bit too to me. Oh, no, we we still not catch them. And why isn't that global warming in Lake Charles and they got it here? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Ryan, uh, what about the glass minnow spawn? Have you witnessed any of that going on? You know, that's when it's frenzy time down there. It's 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 an April thing, and it should happen in a couple of weeks. And and oh, I only pray that it does. <laughs> yeah, call me. Please call me when it does. <laughs> Yeah, when it does, it's a it's a it's a phenomenon that that you know not everybody gets to see. But there'll be so many glass minnows in the water, and they're spawning. You're literally catching their eggs on your hook. Your strings of eggs, you know, kind of like frogs. And the fish would just be gorging themselves, just blowing up on them everywhere. The trout will move in. It's a it's a fantastic thing when it happens. So, it happened last year for about just a few days for us. But sometimes this goes on for a week or so. So this this next full moon that ought to ought to happen. So if it does, I'll call you and get you down. Now that you now you can talk to me again. Well, I mean, I can always fish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just that, wouldn't that, be I'm, much I'm, company. I, I won't be able to tell you any jokes or anything, you know. Yeah, I'm just glad you're talking again, buddy. That's <laughs> you know, you need to put the radio. I missed it. <laughs> so. So it's all good, but uh, I, I, I just we just have to play the river. I was expecting it to be seven; they was expecting a drop, and here it is. It's fifteen and and rising. It's just stay right there, at least twelve seven for the rest of this month. So we'll deal with it. You know that's, that'll get the crawfish going, and uh, there's plenty of big big catfish to be caught if that's what your thing is. I mean, it's a no brainer to go catch a bunch of catfish. So. Uh, 
we just, you know, we just play it by ear every day. And whatever people want to do, we'll go try to catch that for them. So, it's, uh, you know, in Louisiana, we have so many things to do. You can't do them all. It's just impossible. You know, you can catch anything from a brim to a marlin on, on any given day. So what do you choose? You know, we we choose specks and reds because that's, that's consistent. And that's what we're good at. But sometimes people say, well, let's go catch a triple tail or let's go catch a, a mangrove or something. Well, we we do it, you know, whatever they want. We just, it's just everybody, everybody's bull reds now. You know, they were so famous for bull reds these days. And we're catching them even at the river at 15. We're catching them right there. I mean, right inside. So, you know, as as it goes down in July and that time, then those big, big reds will show up in huge numbers and, and that's that's what people want then. So uh, we're booked up. I mean, we're going to run seven to twelve boats every day. So it's it's on. Hmm, it is on. Oh, good to see. I, mean, I tell you what, that, like you said with Louisiana, it's almost like with the turning of the calendar. It just keeps things interesting. There's always something new coming in, and something else fading away. So it keeps things interesting. All right, Ryan. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, you'll see it's only a few months away. <laughs> <laughs> they need to hurry up, get up there, and come on down. But you know, anybody wants All to right. come, just go to CajunFishingAdventures dot com, check us out, or call me on my cell at five zero four five five nine five one one one. All right, Ryan, thanks so much. Be safe out there. Okay, buddy. Happy right, Easter. Be, same to you, bud. Glad to see you back. All right. All right, there he goes, Plastic Man. Boy, I tell you what, Don time is flying by. Turkey season, crawfish boils, uh, the trout. Uh, it's just a fun time to be in South Louisiana. Stick around. We're not done just yet. Got a couple of announcements, including uh, the new Bayou Wild episode, so stick around for that. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And welcome back to the show. Keith Flusher sitting right next to Don Dubuque. Uh, Don, and before we left, I mentioned the Bayou Wild. I got a chance to catch that episode. And I tell you, you shouldn't what. ever miss it. What do you mean <laughs> you got a chance to catch it? <laughs> Set your DVR. <laughs> you got a DVR. Come on. <laughs> but I, I, one thing that I learned, the older crawfish that, the you know, the dark spots, the dark mm-hmm, lines mm-hmm. on them underneath and their hard shells, I did not know that that was from last year. Yeah. I always thought that that was an older crawfish from this year. And so. the markets don't even discount them, even though they're last year's models. But, uh, you know, you learn a lot of stuff. Keep watching Bayou Wild. Listen, we got a bunch of good text messages and comments on some of the things you and I were talking about. Uh, Gus said he used to gig 10, 12 a night over there in uh, Waveland, mm-hmm. Mississippi Coast. Not anymore. Very few. Uh, as far as license sales, I had a text that said, you know, last year with the pandemic, we had record numbers of fishing and hunting license sales. Does the state really need more? Is the state taking the money away from the department? All good points he's making. Uh, Here's one that says there's no shortage of flounders in Calcasieu. That's from Texter 1092. Another one points the fingers at the shrimp skimmers. Says that those boats take thousands of pounds of flounders. And also someone says that uh, $500 for a lifetime license is nothing anymore. That was a 20-year-ago price. That needs to be raised. But the point I made earlier is if you do a lifetime license, you've got to prorate that money. Mm-hmm. Figure out the person's life, and then each year only let the state have one portion of that money. Because if you give it all to them, <laughs> guess what? 
You, you want ever them seen a, to prorate? You ever meet a government bureaucrat <laughs> or politician who money didn't burn a hole in his pocket? Come on, man. Be real. Anyway, some good comments and thoughts. And uh, also we got, you know, some more uh, people saying that uh, they see a lot more stingrays now and less flounder <laughs> when they're gigging. Stay away from those stingrays. <laughs> yeah, boy, we used to do some gigging down in Grand Isle. And I'll tell you what, you you always wonder, is that a stingray? Is that a stingray? Now I, I guess the chances are just a, a little bit higher, huh? What do they call that? The stingray shuffle when you surf fishing <laughs> and, you, and you're shuffling your feet in the sand to kick them away before you step on them and that tail comes back and whacks you. I'll tell you what. And uh, so how y'all doing at uh, Etouffee Restaurant? That's your new headquarters, Oh, huh? yeah. We, in fact, they have a grand opening. The official grand opening is going to be Monday, April 12th. We meet over there about every other Monday of the month, two Mondays a month. And if you check with uh, Kim Bullock, who is the manager over there, she'll tell you what our dates are. Uh, Chris Lecoq comes over there with the camera, and we shoot some stuff for social media. Martha comes over there, and she usually orders a couple a couple of drinks. And then we also have a great lunch, and we talk hunting and fishing with the people that come over. It's a real fun time, and it's right uh, off of Highway 190, which everything in St. Tammany is off of 190, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's right across the road from GMC, the Rainbow GMC. And great food, great crawfish, boiled seafood, fried, and uh, their authentic Cajun cuisine. It's real good. What's your favorite dish over there so far? I tell you, the etouffee is excellent over there. Oh, so the name matches. But I'll tell the you something dish. that's really unique. They have a special sausage that is made strictly for boiling in seafood boils. They won't give me a recipe, but it comes from down around Golden Meadow, Raceland mm-hmm. area, and that is to die for. It's the best I've ever had. Oh man, I tell you what, I'm getting hungry. I need to need to go fire up the, fire up the rocket pot. <laughs> yeah, had some had some fried sockele last night. Ooh, We're gonna have some crawfish uh, Sunday. So, oh man. Time's running out, Don. I hear the music, so we're going to have to get on out of here. But I want to thank all our guests this morning, uh, Robbie Campo, Jeff Brule, Daryl Carpenter, all of our guests filling us in. I want to thank Drew for the turkey report, Drew. Certainly learned a lot from you and all the fish you're catching. So what a great show. Uh, Stay safe out on the water this weekend. Uh, We'll pick back up next Saturday at 5 a.m. Thank you for coming in, too. Good job. Happy Easter, everybody. Yes, sir.